Hey guys, it's Cass and Dorian, and you're listening to United. So African-American vernacular, English, Mm -hmm. like we're brought up speaking in that way. I mean, my parents definitely tried to get me to speak more um, proper, but I was around the kids at school and that's how they talked. So I talked like them. It's just about adjusting. But we, what a lot of people don't understand is that in the African-American community, we have our African-American vernacular, which is seen as uneducated and less than. And we're taught proper English. Right. So tell me a little bit about African-American vernacular English. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. African-American. It's it's called Ebonics, but I think oh, that's... Oh, so that's just a more formal name for Ebonics? Yeah. And so... I think Ebonics is kind of seen as negative nowadays because it was, it was... It's been taught to us over the years that it's ignorant it was, to speak yeah. that way. But technically, it's the actual language. Oh, uh, yeah. I was taught it as slang. That it was just slang. Not that it was necessarily uh, less than language, but it was slang. And actually, as a kid, it's the coolest language. Yeah. <laughs> but Whether you're black or white. As a, as a, <laughs> an adult who grew up speaking in that manner, I still talk like that. I've noticed some of it, some, what is it, AAVE? Mm-hmm. Is that the best way to refer to it? Some of AAVE, it seems to be rooted in Southern English, like Southern old English, because there's a lot of some of the ways that words are pronounced. Mm -hmm. That's different than I would pronounce it in like proper English, even though we don't speak proper English. My parents tried to get me to speak proper English growing up. (laughs) I think that's the struggle for everybody's parents. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, My dad always says, I beg your pardon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, so I say it once in a while. Like I still have a hard time saying ask. <laughs> it's yeah. a hard word to yeah. say. So when I'm talking in... Um, How do you say like, it? Ask. Yes. Like, if I'm talking fast, though, like, uh, if I'm processing what I'm saying, I can slow down and say ask. Yeah. But if I'm like, go ask your dad, blah, 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 blah. And I think, so I think that's a good word example, because if if you were to listen to how you, like, if you were to record yourself and listen to the different words, like that word, and then you were to listen to someone that lives in, you know, the deep South, where Mm -hmm. they really have strong Southern accents in an area where, because it's it's different Mm -hmm. where you go in the South, you can be in certain places in Alabama and it's not so strong and other places it's stronger. Mm same with Mississippi, everything. If you go to where it's really strong, there's a lot of very similar pronunciations in that regard. The things that we would consider not proper English and and not good enough English, um, undereducated English, mm-hmm. not learning to speak properly, mm-hmm. is is the Southern drawl, the Southern way of speaking with the language. It's, it's very similar. So I think yeah, part but- of it is because your language came from listening to yeah. white people in the South speak. But also black people in the South speak differently from black people in the North as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So there's still that 
Including kind of, in, in, in AAVE? Yeah. Really? Even when I left New York and went to Virginia, I adapted to how they talked in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So in Virginia, they were, at the time, What's Up, Bo? was really popular. Okay. What's Up, Bo? just means what's up. Okay. I don't know why they say Bo at the end, but they did. Um, but that's how they greeted people. Once I caught on to that, I started doing it too because I didn't want to stand out. Mm-hmm. But when I came back to New York, I couldn't say what's up, Bo. Because they were they would have looked at me like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. In um, Virginia, they call these sneakers Air Force Ones. They're called Air Force Ones. That's their actual name. They're by Nikes. They're very popular shoes mm-hmm. among um, urban cultures. They're called Air Force Ones. In Virginia, they're called Flays. In New York, they're called Uptowns. Hmm. So I had to adjust to mm-hmm. those um, those yeah. different languages. They used to make fun of my accent when I went to Virginia, so I started to talk in a more Southern accent. That one wasn't a choice. Like, it just happened. So by the time I came back to New York, yeah. I had a more Southern accent. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't have it now, but... <laughs> so it's across the board in all language, but it's more... Not more so, but it's, it's, it's there in African-American... Vernacular English as well. That's really that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but it makes complete sense. Yeah. I don't know if you've read much of, on the history of AAVE. I really like that it, you know, has been given a more official name and being spoken about in a more pro- pro- professional way. Yeah, because there's... <laughs> it is, it, it is, because yeah. there's this idea that if you speak that... That you're ignorant right. and you can't speak proper English. But right. I have conversations with you just fine. Not that I have to speak proper English with you because I don't. I still can speak that that way and you would understand what I'm saying. But it's more so with my friends yeah. who are, of, are people of color who grew up speaking that as well. There's a lot that I say that's proper, but I can turn it on and off. Yeah. That's what code switching is. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about AAVE when you had pointed out to me that it has an official name. I, I had not heard that. Yeah. So it, it made things a, a lot clearer for me, too, because I've always struggled with this wanting to be able to connect with my black friends and also wanting to be able to connect with my white friends without feeling like I'm selling out mm-hmm. from my black friends. Mm-hmm. And so that made me feel a little bit better about it because it's like, technically, I'm just speaking two forms of language. Right, it's like you're bilingual. Just yeah. like someone who grows up in a Spanish-speaking home and outside the home they speak English and in the home they speak Spanish. Yeah. With their friends and relatives. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it made me feel. Yeah, that um, is validating. Yeah. It's really awesome. Okay, so I, I wanted to delve in a little bit in some of the specifics about AAVE, um, also Ebonics. So I found that Ebonics was originally coined in 1973. Mm-hmm. And it comes from ebony, meaning black, and phonics, meaning speech sound. Which is cool because Ebonics is seen as a negative term. But it's such a beautiful way to, I think it's such a beautiful description. Yeah, I do too. I think because ebony is like... Um, when I think of ebony, I think of like a beautiful black queen. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Or like just just beauty. Yeah. 
in blackness. So it's kind of, I understand why it's been given a more formal name, um, the necessity for that. But in some ways, it's kind of disappointing now understanding what the breakdown of Ebonics is because yeah. I think it's very beautiful to describe it that way. It is, and I might start using that word again. <laughs> nice. So the popularity of it rose in 1996 when the Oakland School Board recognized it as a primary language for its Black students. Oh, wow. And in doing that, got... In 96? 1996. Wow. And in doing that, it yeah, so in doing that, it got them funding to be able to teach classes on Standard American English, which is abbreviated as SAE, mm-hmm. um, and as well as tutoring on code switching for their Black students so that they could uh, go between the two in the world that they live in. That really sucks, in a way. Like, it's nice that the school was catering to them to teach them how to code switch, but it sucks in a way because, like, it's not really much different from, like, a Spanish family who's bilingual and learns Spanish and English, but there's no real need for them to code switch, you know? They do code switch. They speak Spanish at home and they speak English. Yeah, but code switching is more than just about the language. Well, I don't know for sure that the code switching they're referring to is beyond the language. I think I took it as more the language, like how to how go, to f- go from back and forth between languages. Yeah, and, and basically tutoring in it because if they if they're taking classes on SAE, which is standard American English, it's basically teaching them this is this is SAE, this is Ebonics. So you need to know the difference between the two because you need to use SAE when you're in certain you're situations. In yeah, that environment. Yeah, in that way. Yeah, That's that what makes sense. And I have heard from a lot of um, not a lot, but one English teacher particularly, who mentioned that she struggles a lot with AAVE because she's teaching English and it's not proper English, but it's 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 not English. What do you what do you mean? She she struggles with it. What do you mean? In her classroom with, um, like, getting her students to speak proper English instead of A-A-V-E. Okay. But I think the reason why there's a struggle there is because A-A-V-E is not seen as an actual language. So if it was an approach as this is your, you know, this is your, la- this is your language, this is your cultural language, and this is English, yeah. this is uh, American English, standard American English, yeah. and if you need to differentiate the two. Yeah, you're like, you're essentially learning English as a second language. Versus teaching it as the way you grew up learning to speak is wrong. Is wrong. And you need to learn this because there's resistance that's going to come from that within students. There's going to be shame that's going to be felt within the students unintentionally. They're being told that the way they speak is wrong and uneducated. Yeah. I mean, there's shame in Black culture. There's when, when celebrities speak in that lang- language, it's seen as, like, they're ignorant or dumb. Right. Well, I mean, or because that would be anyone. a situation where if it's something that's going to be broadcast publicly, it would be a situation where if you care to have the majority of the population understand what you're saying, you do need to use the common language, which is SAE, Standard yeah. American English. So it's, it's, I think it's, a, I think it's great that, you know, the Oakland School District recognized this. I don't, and I think it's great now that they've come up with uh, African-American vernacular English, which has really brought it to another level of 
acceptance. Yeah. And I think it'll continue to. And I think this awareness around it and the conversation we're having right now around it is going to continue all of them. Everyone talking about it is going to continue to bring more and more awareness that hopefully that will be the reality, continue to spread as a reality throughout everywhere. Yeah. Teaching black students that your home language is a language and it's, and there's nothing wrong with it. Your home language is a language and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I think that, uh, well, I mean, that was adapted in 1996 in Oakland. Have we found anything showing that it's been adapted anywhere else? Not that I saw. Oakland is inner city, so. Yeah, not that I saw, but uh, I can look further into that. But it's, I think the fact that it has a different title now does make a difference. Oh, yeah. I think part, one of the things that stuck out to me too, though, in this research is that there, it does seem to be a bit controversial within the Black community. It of is. Of a willingness to accept that as a language versus viewing it as it has been portrayed historically as uneducated and not a language at all. It is, because there is a certain level of conditioning. Mm-hmm. It's just like our hair. There was a it, There's controversy around the natural hair movement within the Black community. A lot of people feel like, Natural hair looks unkept. It looks bad and you should Mm. do something with it. It's a conditioning. Like we have to be able to learn how to embrace ourselves for who we are. After being told for so many years that who you are isn't good enough to where it eventually gets drilled in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's every, it's in every aspect of our lives. Like the way we speak, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we carry ourselves, Mm -hmm. the way we consider our natural beauty, all of that. Mm-hmm. It's in every aspect of our lives. So I think it's nice. Like when I first found out about African-American vernacular English was probably only about two, three months ago. And it made me feel better mm-hmm. about it. Because I know that I'm not ignorant. I'm a very intelligent person, I'm a very intelligent human being. But I don't always speak the way that I know is proper because sometimes it's just easier to say, yeah, they was running late instead of they were running late or, you know, ask. Right, right. And one of the things, too, I found um, when learning about it, there's still an understanding trying to be grasped of the root of it, but it did seem to say that it there was root in Southern dialect, Southern American dialect. And, and there's also debate over it being a Creole language. So it, so some of those, some of those sounds and those things, they are from different dialects and different forms yeah. of speaking and different languages all combined into this one language. Yeah. A-A-V. But I also, I'm not even 100% sure that I even speak real AAV. I just, I just speak in slang sometimes. When I'm with my friends, it's definitely like a late, more laid back dialect. And that's why sometimes I use, I speak in the those terms because it is, it's more laid back. I don't have to think about it as much. Like when I'm speaking in a proper manner, if I'm at work or something, or even on this podcast, sometimes I have to think about it a little bit more about what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine, but who wants to do that all the time? Hmm. You know? In in just casual conversation, like, I don't want to have to stop and think and be like, oh, I didn't say that right. Let me fix it. 
Yeah, and if AAVE was more widely, once it becomes more widely accepted, it may become uh, something that we can all learn. Yeah. Actually have a structure to, there's aspects to it when you look it up, different things, like there's, um, I wish I remember now, like an F instead of like a CH or something like that. Um, I wish I was knew I was saying it properly, but like Pacific, a lot of people say Pacific instead of specific. Could be, yeah. It, it's definitely so. There's different. There's, but it, it, having if they were to take that and break it down mm-hmm. into a format in which we could all learn about it and comprehend it, and then it could be more easy to go from one or the other from both the white culture in America and black culture in America. Yeah. Not needing to be so much of it's only this one dominant language that this one language that we all comprehend, especially when AAVE was born out of uh, the same place that standard American English was born out of. They're born here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That'd be cool. All right. And here's your quote for the week. New facts keep coming out of the cracks as we have the moral courage to be more conscious. Gretchen Greener. 